Please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night, frighteningly imagined creatures, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. But I promise all sorts of weirdness. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, we have an interesting listener suggestion. I'm not going to say who the listener was, Mom, but this is a story that she loves, and I hope she likes the way that I tell it. So, with all that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, as always, my darlings, is yours, so choose your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say children, that will be a single shot, and every time I say secret, that'll be a double shot. I know you guys are scratching your head going, what is she going to tell us? (laughs) It's a good one, I promise. All right, now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma. So don your best Catholic hats and grab your Bibles because we're diving into today's offering of the miracle at Fatima. Yeah, I know. Eh, no drama for this one. All right. The story of Our Lady of Fatima Miracle begins in early spring 1916. Three peasant children were tending to their family sheep. Lucia Santos and her cousin Jacinta and Francisco Marto reported that they were visited by an angel on several occasions. The children saw this beautiful woman dressed in white and standing above a bush. The Virgin Mary told the children that world peace would occur if they spread the godly message of prayer. She visited the young children on the 13th for the next six months, and she revealed to the children three secrets. These visits later became known as and attributed to the Roman Catholic title, Our Lady of Fatima or the Virgin Mary. As word of this spread, thousands of people flocked to the area to visit the children and the location of this event. And it was said the visitor had promised a miracle for October 13th that following year. But let's start at the beginning. The children were told to make sacrifices to save sinners. They wore tight cords around their wrists and did not drink water on hot days. Lucia told the villagers that Mary asked them to say the rosary every day in order to keep world peace. News of the apparition spread throughout the village, some believing in the children and some not so much. The Blessed Virgin Mary promised the children that one day a prophecy would occur that would show the village people, and no, not the 70s group because kind of that's where my head went, (laughs) 
would show the people of the village that they were being truthful. These events culminated in the sixth and final apparition known as Miracle of the Sun. But let's talk about the apparitions. The first apparition appeared on May the 13th, 1917. The Blessed Virgin Mary tells the children that she will be visiting on the 13th of each month for the next six months. She tells the children in the tiny village that they will need to commit sacrifices and suffer, but that they will end up in heaven. She tells the children to say the rosary prayer every day to bring about peace and to devote themselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The second apparition, on June the 13th of 1917, Mary asks the children to add the Fatima prayer to the end of the rosary. The children ask her to take them to heaven, but she says that it's too soon. She says she will soon take Jacinta and Francisco, but Lucia will stay on earth for longer. The third apparition, on July the 13th of 1917, Mary reveals three secrets. She shows the children that hell is a horrible place, because I'm sure that they were confused about that. She also predicts the Second World War and the persecution of Christians in Russia. She goes on to want that there will be further persecution of Christians. The three secrets were a series of apocalyptic visions and prophecies that the Virgin Mary revealed to the children. The first one, of course, was on May 13th. Two of these secrets were revealed in a document written by Sister Lucia in 1941. Mary told the children the first secret in July of 1917. The first secret described hell as a horrible place where sinners' souls burned. Mary said that to save these souls, acts of prayer and sacrifice were necessary. The second secret prophesied the end of the First World War, but also the outbreak of the Second World War if sinning was to continue. Mary also called for the consecration of Russia, or else peace would not occur. Many say she also predicted the rise and fall of communism. The third secret was not revealed that easily. In 1943, Lucia was ill and asked by the bishop to reveal it, but she said God had not authorized her to do so. The bishop still ordered her to write it down. Lucia decided to write it in a sealed envelope that could only be opened in 1960. In 1960, the Vatican issued a press release stating that the third secret would remain sealed forever. For years, Christians around the world speculated on the content of the third secret, and some even feared it could refer to worldwide, worldwide nuclear annihilation. However, the secret was released in 2000 by Pope John Paul II. The Vatican said the secret spoke of the 20th century persecution of Christians, leading to the failed assassination attempt of Pope John Paul II in 1981. The text revealed said that Mary spoke of a bishop clothed in white who prays faithfully. In her vision, he was making his way toward the cross passing through the bodies of those who were martyred, like priests and other religious people. This speaks to the persecution of Christians. He then falls to the ground dead after hearing gunfire. This message was allegedly confirmed by Sister Lucia. The Vatican declares that this bishop must have been Pope John Paul II. He was shot and wounded on May 13, 1981, on the 13th, again, ha ha ha, wink, 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 in St. Peter's Square in Vatican City by Mamet Ali Aksa. 
He survived, of course. The attacker, a Turkish journalist, had said before that the Pope was the masked leader of the Crusades. He was sentenced to life in prison in Italy in July of 1981, but was later pardoned by the president in 2000 at the Pope's request. He was then deported. The Vatican said that it was a mother's hand that guided the bullet's path that saved the Pope's life, alluding to the Virgin Mary. The release of the third secret sparked anger in Portugal as the Portuguese Catholic Church was offended that the text was not read in Fatima. The fact that the secret did not include any doomsday predictions also angered the, the Portuguese Catholic Church as there was no reason to keep the prop prophecy secret for 50 years and spark fear. Many around the world also believe this third secret was altered by the Vatican and is not the original message. There are many inaccuracies, such as the fact that Lucia wrote the secret on one sheet of paper. The Vatican's version was four pages long. There are also Portuguese sources that say that Lucia mentioned to them that the third secret was in the Gospels and the Apocalypse, even specifying Apocalypse chapters 8 to 13. Therefore, many believe the third secret did in fact contain a doomsday-like prophecy, but that it's being kept secret from us. But let's move on. The fourth apparition was on August the 19th of 1917. Now this apparition doesn't happen as planned because the three children were kidnapped and imprisoned by the police. Although I think kidnapped is a strong word. I think they were held by the police, but kidnapped is what we're going with because they were kept. The police believed that they were making up the apparitions and wanted the children to state that it was all a hoax. The children stood their ground, and were later released. Six days after the 13th of the month, Mary appeared again and told the children to pray for sinners. The fifth apparition happened on September the 13th, 1917. And on this day, people gathered to see if Mary would show, and white rose petals fell from the sky. As the witnesses touched them, they disappeared. Sister Lucia asked Mary to cure the sick, and she responded that God could not cure those who were not healed. Okay, that's a little weird, but okay. The final apparition, which was known as the Miracle of the Sun. The sixth and final miracle, the Miracle of the Sun, occurred on the 13th of October, 1917. Now, this was essentially in response to the prophecy made by the three children. The children told the people in the village to come out and witness it, even the skeptics. There are reports that over 70,000 people were in attendance. And according to various witness accounts, the rainy sky cleared up and the ground that was wet from the rain became dry. The sun appeared dancing around and zigzagging in the sky within broken clouds, giving it the name of the miracle of the sun. Some say that the dancing sun even appeared to fly closer to the earth and then jump back into its place quickly. Others also mentioned multicolored light and radiant colors all over the sky. They said the miracle of the sun lasted for at least 10 minutes. The children were then finally believed by the people of Fatima. There was an investigation conducted by the local bishop in November to review these reports and analyze whether they were congruent with Catholic theology. The miracle of the sun was declared worthy of belief and of a supernatural character by Bishop Jose de Silva in 1930. 
Pope Pius XII also approved the miracle in 1940. Interestingly, the Pope also declared that he witnessed the same miracle in 1950. On October the 30th, 1950, the Pope was walking through the Vatican Gardens when he witnessed the miracle of the sun near the statue of Our Lady of Lourdes. He saw the same miracle again on October 31st, November 1st, and November 8th. In 2017, Pope Francis went on to officially recognize the miracle of the sun and even canonized two of the children, Francisco Marto and Jacinta Marto, over a hundred years after their death. This means that Pope Francis made the children saints. Lucia, the cousin of Jacinta and Francisco, passed away in 2005 and is being considered for possible beatification. This is the step right before sainthood and essentially signifies that she is blessed in heaven. However, this process could only legally start in 2010, at least five years after her death, and it's not yet completed. Pope Francis has visited the shrine of Our Lady of Fatima many times. So, did all the things mentioned in the Three Secrets happen? Did the Virgin Mary predict all of these events? The first secret vision was a vision of hell, so really nothing there. We know it's bad, hell bad, heaven good. I mean, come on, you got to be pretty stupid not to get that one, right? Whether you believe the first secret is real depends on your religious beliefs. The second secret predicted the end of the First World War and the outbreak of the Second World War. The Virgin Mary told the children these secrets in 1917, less than a year before the First World War ended. She was also correct in predicting the Second World War. However, this secret was only released in 1941, two years after the war began. So you have to wonder, did she really do the prediction or did just somebody attribute it? Anyways... According to it, Mary also predicted the rise and fall of communism and called for the consecration of Russia. The dissolution of the USSR only happened in 1991, so Mary might have predicted this correctly. Lucia would not have known this in 1941 when she wrote the secret down, but Lucia would have known about the rise of communism in Russia that began with the February Revolution and later on with the Bolshevik Revolution, a few months after the apparitions. Up to 1941, when she released the secret, Lucia would also be hearing about over 20 years of communism in the Soviet Union. Starting in 1932, Lucia and all of the Portuguese lived under the fascist rule of Antonio Salazar, a staunch Catholic who was opposed to communism and believed its fall was inevitable. Therefore, this part of the second secret was widely held belief and hope of many in Portugal. So, is it really a secret? I mean... We kind of all saw it coming, but, you know, maybe, who knows. The third secret was released in 2000, 80 years after it was told to the children by the Virgin Mary. It was allegedly written by Lucia in 1943 and only revealed later. If this is to be believed and we ignore the theories that the Vatican altered the document, then the third secret happened as well. The Virgin Mary predicted the persecution of Christians as the symbol of an attempted assassination of Pope John Paul II. The document by Lucia was written 38 years after, or excuse me, 38 years before the attempted murder. However, if you believe that the document was altered, the story's different. The Vatican's release of the secret happened 19 years after the assassination attempt. If the apparitions, which are said to have been witnessed, 
at Fatima in 1917 had taken place centuries earlier, they might have been described as fairy encounters or visions of spirits and demons. Today, we might describe them as UFO events or perhaps messages from another dimension. That is, of course, if we take these encounters as legitimate physical experiences. The phenomena of a cultural and religious paradigm filtering, then defining the meaning of anomalous events is a bias that is often purposeful and deliberate for many reasons. Control and fear are just two of the many reasons. Perhaps one of the most curious factors relating to the Fatima apparitions, for example, is that they were seemingly predicted by a group of psychics months in advance. While this leads us no further in terms of an explanation for the visions, it does allow us to understand how the events at Fatima have been shaped to suit a particular religious interpretation as opposed to a stranger and less definable series of encounters. The Catholic Church views psychic predictions and the occult as belonging to the demonic realm, so it is only natural that they would have wanted to suppress the claims of psychics who documented their communications with a deity which the Church would later identify as the Virgin Mary. But before looking into these prophecies, which were printed in Portuguese newspapers months in advance of the Fatima events, we should first understand the social climate which existed in Portugal at the time. Portugal at the beginning of the 20th century was a Catholic country, but the establishment of the Portuguese First Republic in 1910 resulted in a period of instability and religious persecution. Bear in mind that the shadow of the Inquisition still weighed heavily upon European populations, with the last witch execution having taken place only in 1826. Behind Portugal's orthodox exterior, folk and spiritualist beliefs had always existed hand-in-hand with Christianity, leading to a strange mix of pagan and Catholic saints and holy figures often being interchanged depending on the feast day or time of the year. This was not always expressed openly, however. The area around Fatima has a long history of pagan practices. The local folklore contains many stories of fairies and otherworldly encounters. The rocky terrain and mount- mountainous area is similar to the Benbulban area of Western Ireland, which also has a long tradition of a supernatural and mysterious people called the gentry. These fairy-like beings are said to sometimes interact with humans, offering advice or warnings. At other times, they seem to look upon humans with disdain, often hinting that they are in some way superior and more evolved, surprisingly. Right? Because, you know, we're humans and we suck. What else is new? Portugal has a similar tradition, which describes a race of supernatural women called the Mura Encantada, who were said to be the guardians of doorways into other dimensions, as well as into the earth itself. These women were also said to be able to spin the sun, which connects intimately to the final apparition at Fatima, where thousands of witnesses watched a glowing oval of light spin through the sky. It was in the anarchic social climate of traditional Catholicism and progressive politics that a group of Portuguese spiritualists began to receive messages or transmissions predicting a series of extraordinary events which would take place on May 13, 1917, the day the Fatima apparitions began, surprisingly. The mediums were said to be so affected by the messages they were channeling that they decided to document them in newspaper ads and articles so that nobody could later say that they had not been authentic. 
According to Felipe Furtado de Mendonce, writing in his book, A Ray of Light on Fatima, the group of mediums first took out an advert in a local newspaper, Diario de Notizas, where they announced that the forthcoming date of May the 13th would be a day of great happiness and one which the brilliant light of the morning star will illuminate the path. Another remarkable fact about this message is that the psychic channeler wrote it down backwards, and it could only be read by holding the sheet of paper towards a mirror. This phenomena of backwards writing occurs many times throughout the history of spiritualists and shamanic communications, particularly in traditions that claim to contact star people. You knew I was going there. You knew eventually I was going to get to the aliens. You should know that about me. It's always aliens with me. Anyways, the original announcement printed by the paper is still in the archives of Dario de Notizas and can be referenced today in the edition of March 10th, 1917, a full two months before the Fatima events took place. In Porto, another group of psychics were receiving similar transmissions and also decided to document their communications so as to be able to prove, to prove their predictions. This second group received a message saying something transcendental would happen on May the 13th. Again, in order to substantiate the communications, ads and notices were taken out in leading Portuguese newspapers such as O Primero de Genero, the Journal de Noticias and Liberdade. I know you guys are impressed with my, with my pronunciation. I took two days to learn that. I'm just saying. I want some credit there. Anyways, the person attributed with receiving these messages was a well-known Portuguese psychic called Mr. Antonio. Whether it was just a slow news week in Portugal or something else entirely, the fact is that these notices taken out of newspapers created quite a stir, and many skeptics and spiritually-minded people alike waited to see what, if anything, would occur on May the 13th. The reported apparitions that followed have created a legacy that reverberates around the world even today. However, many aspects of these apparently supernatural events have changed considerably in terms of how they were originally reported. The so-called miracle of the sun, for example, is perhaps the most famous supernatural mass vision in recorded history, and yet the witnesses never actually said it was the sun that flew through the air. They insisted that it was a second bright oval object that glowed like pearl. Another appropriation is that the being that appeared to the children never said that she came from heaven, but instead merely pointed upwards when asked where she was from. Throughout the entire series of apparitions, the children never saw the being's mouth move, but explained that they heard her words through a buzzing sound that rang around them whenever the apparitions occurred. Another physical attribute that was changed by the Catholic Church was that the being was said to be less than three feet tall and appeared to be bald. Over the course of interrogations and revisions, the children changed this appearance to that of a tall, beautiful lady more fitting to the Virgin Mary archetype of the Church. Many other visionaries and spiritual leaders of this time also claimed to have received communications in a similar manner. Alice Bailey said that she was the recipient of messages from a higher civilization from Cyrus. Alistair Crowley and Rudolf Steiner both received transmissions in 1904, which would go on to form their most famous works, The Book of the Law and Knowledge of the Higher Worlds and its Attainment, respectively. 
Going back even further in time, we have the experience and accounts of the Dogon people, who claim that they too received their wisdom from beings from Cyrus, although the Dogon themselves are quite cryptic when it comes to explaining the methods of transmission, and whether or not it was physical or immaterial messengers who contacted them. The Dogon have a very sophisticated level of knowledge of science and quantum mechanics, something that the early anthropologists could not have known about, and some of modern science's newest discoveries are only beginning to parallel what the Dogon have described for centuries, and which they say they have known for thousands of years. A striking similarity exists between the ancient amphibious gods, the Oanis, who were said to have arrived from the stars, and brought civilizing skills to early humans, and the Dogon deities, the Nomo, the carvings of these gods and beings often show them immersed in waves, which may also symbolize their immaterial and quantum nature. Another interesting parallel is the phonetic similarity between Oanis and Noah, who are both civilizers who emerge from the waters. This is further reinforced by the fact that the biblical Noah and the story of the flood is a much older Sumerian myth connecting the Dogon to the myths and the gods of this time. Could it be that all of these deities emanate from the same place and the messages they bring change depending upon the culture and sophistication of the people who receive them? Is it possible that the star beings of the Hopi, the Kachina, who are also said to come from Cyrus, are the same beings that appear to the Dogon. The Hopi call one of their savior gods Anu, which is also the name of the Babylonian sky god, for example. Could these deities also be the same messengers who appeared at Fatima and who were channeled by Aleister Crowley and Rudolf Steiner, or are all of these transmissions some kind of unconscious cultural impulse? When we also take into account many other religious movements which began with an apparition or a channel transmission, we begin to see a very ancient pattern emerge. Whether we examine Mormonism, the Abrahamic faiths, Buddhism, Hinduism, or the various shamanic traditions, the one common feature is the origin points where beings who claim to be from beyond the human realm are the instigators of a new paradigm. Is this just a coincidence or could it be something more profound. Regardless of your beliefs, whether you're a Christian or skeptical of these miracles, it's clear that the city of Fatima is a special place that arises curiosity in all of us. The sanctuary of Our Lady of Fatima, a site with Catholic religious buildings, was built in the place where the three children were visited by the Virgin Mary. The first building built was in April of 1919 by the locals. They built a small chapel called the Chapel of the Apparitions in the exact location where the Virgin Mary would visit every month on the 13th. A statue of the Virgin Mary was then installed in the chapel in 1920s. This angered the Roman Catholic Church and the government as the miracle had not yet been confirmed by them. This original chapel was thus destroyed in March of 1922. However, the Chapel of the Apparitions was rebuilt and functioning as a place of local mass by the 1923s. The attitudes of the Catholic Church began to change as they conducted investigations on the miracle. In 1927, the Bishop of Liera gave a religious service at the site. In 1928, the Basilica and Colonnade started being built, a long construction process that only finished in 1954. 
During the construction in 1930, the Catholic Church finally recognized the miracle and permitted the existence of the first cult of Our Lady of Fatima. In 1953, the Church of the Sanctuary of Fatima was consecrated, and a year later it was given the title of Basilica by Pope Pius XXI. Today, the Sanctuary of Our Lady of Fatima is made up of astonishing religious buildings, monuments, and statues of saints. Although the Chapel of Apparitions and the Basilica are the most famous, you can also visit the Perpetual Adoration Chapel and the Monument of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, among others. Eight million pilgrims visit the city of Fatima every year to witness the place of the miracles. The sanctuary even sparks the curiosity of atheists and is welcoming to many pilgrims of all religions, not just Catholicism. The most popular times to visit Our Lady of Fatima, you guessed it, the 13th of the month between May and October when the apparitions occurred. Many of those that travel to the sanctuary are facing terminal illnesses or bereavement and looking for religious guidance. They travel thousands of kilometers from all over the world to be blessed by the Virgin Mary. Many Portuguese also walk hundreds of kilometers to get there on these days. It's over 150 kilometers from Lisbon and 350 from Valencia. At the sanctuary, you can witness the large torch-lit processions led by cardinals and bishops. You can also light a candle for a loved one and say a prayer. I recommend standing in the middle of the sanctuary square to witness the beauty of the Basilica of Our Lady of the Rosary. And on that note, we have come to the end of our episode. I thank you for joining me here today, and I hope that you'll take some time to reach out and share what you think about today's episode. You know you can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a suggestion for a future show, you want to share your thoughts about today's episode, you're bored and you need somebody to chat with, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. And on that note, that's all the time I have for you this evening. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And you guessed it, don't forget to tune in next time. See you, my heathens. I love ya. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.